0: I think one of the dynamics at play as well is we need forms that are natural to what it means to be human, and people don't instinctively open up with a group of 15, 20, 70, 200, 3,000 people, um, especially when it's on cue, uh, and you've got two minutes to have a meaningful interaction.
1: What you're watching here, folks, is these two pastoral folks who are theologians and philosophers. Sneaking by a CEO, just a cold, hard capitalist who wants statistics.
2: What are you thinking? Because I suspect you are thinking, this sounds stone cold crazy.
1: Stone cold crazy? What's that about? We're in part two with Dr. Dave Benson with the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. We're going to talk about alongsiders, whatever that means. We're going to talk about being with people as disciples are called to be with people relationships. Carmen LaBerge is with us also to help make some really great points, great insight. This is a conversation that you want to catch when you think about leadership's role in making discipleship happen in any Christian community. Here we go. I'll start with Dave. Since we want the Australian UK contingent to start this out, I want you to what kind of conversation do you use with leaders since you are integrated with churches to say the way the church of England has traditionally done it may not be the best way to bring Christ's model alive. What, what, what do we do to change the culture of the leadership so that we change the culture of discipleship, Dave? I think a shorthand for a model of change
0: Um, I think maybe you've seen this in the business circles, but the Beckard-Harris equation of change is is interesting. I won't bore you with a long mathematical equation, but if you just think of three dimensions here, if you want to see change, if you want to overcome resistance, you need to have um, a vision for something better, and that's multiplied by dissatisfaction with what presently is, and that's multiplied by first steps. So if you want to have that to be greater than the resistance, you need vision, dissatisfaction, and first steps. And, and I think for me in talking with people, the first part is the vision. What is the church? Like, what are we here for? What are we actually doing? So I'll speak a lot about um, where things are going. What's the purpose, the function of the church? Um, what is the mission that we're actually supposed to be serving here? And, and until we have a vision of we are called as a community to be a tangible kingdom, to literally make tangible the kingdom of God, which has already stepped in, but it's growing like an acorn growing into an oak tree or, you know, putting your favorite uh, tree in your local region. But it, it's expanding and it's growing. And we are called to be uh, the preview or the trailer for the movie, uh, the taster for the banquet. Um, we're the advanced chorus for a song that one day the whole cosmos will be singing when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that, that Christ is king. But to do that, we actually need to look like the king that we point towards, and we need to be a taste of heaven come near. And and, and if that's your vision, if that's what you're longing for, then we've got a good start. But simply a vision with what, it, what could be it, is not sufficient. And, and I think there's also then got to be um, not just adding to that dissatisfaction, you need to multiply it. If, it, if dissatisfaction is zero... Um, and you've got a great vision, you end up with zero. So so we need this vision, but we need to multiply that by dissatisfaction. And I don't mean by that moaning, uh, whinging is a bit of a British pastime. Um, so I'm not talking about simply whinging that things aren't as great as they could be. I mean, for instance, dissatisfaction with the fact that Barna's Connected Generation report for the UK said that of those who were brought up in the church, that by the time they reach kind of mid-20s. Seventy three percent of them have left their faith, or at least left the church. Like it, it, you and the thing is, this used to be harder to bring alongside leaders. But I find now when I start raising a couple of these questions, like as you said, you know, Carmen, I feel sad about this. How do you feel as you go to your gathering on Sunday and you sit there with your congregation? Tell me about it. What's going on? What I hear is burnout. I hear disappointment that they've been investing into a community for 20 years sometimes and they're not seeing significant transformation. I see um, a dearth of youth and young adults and a drain of that even worse since COVID. I see people who are tired of filling rosters or rotors, as you'd say, in the UK, um, where they don't actually feel that their gifts are even known, let alone used. Um, I see people who um, feel lonely, though they're regularly in the company of other people because their gatherings aren't honest and authentic and the more they use the language of we're a family, the emptier they feel because the reality of coming for five-minute coffee beforehand and 10-minute chat afterwards as you pack down and then a service where you look at the back of someone's head does not feel particularly like a family gathering. So so I, I think just helping people name the reality of what they're involved in. So the wonderful vision, but the disparity of ideal as we're dissatisfied with it. And the last part is first steps. Now, when when you hear me share about Christ's pieces, we had a freedom to experiment because we started something afresh. But that's not been most of my church life. And right at the moment, um, uh, my dear friends who lead the church that I'm part of, I wouldn't say it's a fully traditional model of church, but it's still largely as a Sunday-centric model where most of what happens in that gathering is largely facing the front and is uh, quite a few songs, a little bit of sharing, uh, a sermon, and then normally some kind of appeal and a bit of prayer, and then largely off you go with modified a few things with discipleship series, which I think are brilliant. We've formed community groups. That's a core part of what we do, but these are one degree shifts. These are first steps and I'm not critiquing the first step. You must have first steps to move from where you are to something different. And in in all of those little tweaks, I'm finding that people come alive and they go, this kind of feels like what we're meant to be as the church. And consistently, if you see people experience that, you get more freedom to change things further. But if you never experiment, nothing changes. So vision dissatisfaction, first steps. I find that's the kind of language. And just share those stories. People's missional imagination awakens and church becomes healthier.
1: I'm going to toss this one back at Carmen because what I want to know is, what is the ethos of most discipleship in most churches in the West when we hear these statistics like less than 20% of pastors have ever been discipled, less than 9% of people in the pews have ever been discipled in Christ's model. Carmen, what is it like here in the West? What would you say?
2: It makes me sad. Um, People people don't don't know what they're missing, Um, Mm. and they don't even know that what Dave is describing is possible. They don't they don't think anybody is really being discipled like Jesus discipled the disciples. And so when they hear the charge, you know, that they're supposed to go and make disciples, they just assume that means that they are supposed to make sure that whatever kids they have, if they have kids, get baptized at the appropriate time so that, you know, their 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 ticket is punched, which, Hmm. of course, is not salvation and certainly not discipleship. And so I think it's sad. I'm, 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 I'm sad. And I'm a person who, you know, spent a lot of years um, in the context of congregational ministry and striving, striving to create methods and avenues and um, processes through which Christians could be formed and recognizing that everybody shows up deformed, everybody. The information model um, which is not a transformation model, but it is the reformation model. Um, it, it, it just tends to stomp out anything that, um, that would be, uh, you know, frankly, a fresh wind of the spirit. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that, that where I am in my environment, we have it all figured out. I'm not, uh, I, I attend a very traditional church in terms of, of this conversation. And if my pastor is watching right now, he is thinking, she's outing us. We're not making disciples. We're not.
1: What you're watching here, folks, is these two pastoral folks who are theologians and philosophers sneaking by a CEO, just a cold, hard capitalist who wants statistics these wonderful stories, which actually tell exactly the kind of story we want to talk about. Leadership has to think about the environment they're creating for the people that are around them or discipleship suffocates. And Dave's illustrating that. Carmen, what do you think about it in America when you think about leadership? What kind of a conversation would you have leadership on this?
2: actually going to ask you, Dennis, after, after having heard what Dave has said, I was going to ask you, like, what are you thinking? Because I suspect you are thinking this is sounds stone cold crazy like this. Like that sounds like a that sounds like a mess. That's like people are showing up with camp chairs and they're just like whoever shows up like that's the leadership of the day. And it goes on for four hours. Like have these people like what world are they living in? Is that what you're thinking, Dennis Allen?
1: Well. It, it was the Dennis Allen. Okay, I'm going to be totally honest with you now. Isn't that terrible when people say that? I'm going to be totally honest with you what now. What were you before, man? <laughs> I, I continue to be one of the world's most expert professional sinners. In fact, if you spell my name Dennis backwards, you get the word send. I'm just going to say that out of the gate, right? So if you took the Dennis Allen five years ago and you said, what do you think, Dennis? When Carmen asked the question, I'd say, yeah, he's a whack job.
0: Could I be so? Could I be so annoying as to ask a question of you both? What's sure, Colin shift? first? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like an interviewer here. But what's one shift that you've done in the gathering that you feel has really made a difference, so that when people scatter, they are sent as disciples? Have you have what kind of experiments, however small or big, have you done seen that you're like, oh, that felt like it really came alive? I, I'd love to hear in your context. So.
2: Um I have been not in the church where I'm currently worshipping but I have been in a worshiping community where during the during the service there was an basically open mic time and there were microphones set throughout the throughout the sanctuary and people were expected to give reports from the field. Yeah. Awesome. Expected to share how God used you and showed up and presented opportunities in the workaday world. Um and people, it took a while, right? Initially, like, you know, it's not a lot of people coming to the mic, but eventually, you know, there's three or four people at every microphone. And that also means that you have to set aside mm. any sense that this service is going to fit within, you know, a 55 minute time frame,
1: because mm. that that's mm. going to be
2: blown up by people sharing their stories of how God showed up and how he used them. And sometimes that would result in other people then spontaneously standing up and standing with that person if the story got hard to tell or praying or laying on of hands and praying in the midst of a, and so it 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 does happen if we let it but you do have to create the space to allow the body to breathe
0: mm. Mm. Oh, that's so encouraging and what about in your context dennis what have you seen or
1: tried my career is in turnaround corporations. I go into corporations that are in trouble, and I work on turning them around. So this was uh, something that started tracking in my head years ago, both in the church and my leadership roles, as well as in the corporation. And here's here's the game change that I think. And I think this is an incredibly large hole in the fabric of American Western discipleship. We have no wingmen, we have no mentors, and we have nobody following in our wake to learn behind us. So we don't understand what you guys are saying sometimes because there's nobody walking alongside me tomorrow afternoon saying hey when carmen or dave preached what was that about exactly forcing me to have an answer and or when you were screaming at your spouse the other day what was that all about you know and or you're in a crisis right now of x y or z how are you handling it what are you going to do about that we are alone wolf Christians in Christianity. We run solo. We don't need nothing from nobody. And so the change for me, the change for some of the cultures and the organizations that I'm working with, uh, both in, in Christian institutions, as well as some that are not necessarily Christian, is getting a wingman. Mm. or a winged woman who is flying close enough aboard with me to be able to see when I'm in trouble or when I'm about to get in trouble and when I can watch them and stay close to them. And together, we can drive the expectations of Christ model forward. We don't get that in the West. We do get We do get education. We listen to your sermons. We take notes. We have great resources online. That's fabulous. We participate in ministries and mission trips and small groups. And those are all fantastic, but there's nobody usually like think sub nine percent. There's nobody who can actually look at me and say, "You're not okay today. Mm. You're not. You're not. You're not okay either theologically, uh, vocationally, mm. spiritually, emotionally, intellectually. You're not okay, or you're doing great and keep keep pushing it. I think that's a huge hole. What, what do you think, Carmen? Has that got any traction with you?
2: One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent, and um, and we're not allowed to be failures in public, right? I mean, Talk so about that
1: risk. You brought up the word risk a minute ago, and pastors are facing risk. Track that for me, would would you?
2: Well, I mean, I just immediately, uh, one one of the things, Dennis, that you've said a couple of times, you know, you've referred to me as preaching. Well, that that does not exist in the world that I now operate in. Women don't preach, so pick a different word, because otherwise. Nobody can hear you say anything because they're just hung up on that one word or subject. And so I think that we have a lot of, I mean, you know, we just we have to take a deep breath. I think that the the way that um the way that I'm overcoming it um is uh, I'm embracing what Titus says about women, and I know I'm old now. Like, I'm a grandma, so I'm now old. Dennis and I are
0: not saying that. That's not our language.
2: I know, but so here's (laughs) the thing. Like, once you arrive at the grandma stage, you can start talking to people like you know stuff. You are, like, allowed to be wise. And so um, I've invited myself in. Hmm. Uh, In fact, later today, I have about an hour before I'm due to be at the home of one of the women that I just pressed myself into her life. I mean, she's had three babies in four years and I'm like, mm-hmm. I, you're not coming to church. Like she's not coming to church or if she is, she's coming absolutely exhausted and she's and and whatever we're talking about there is not meeting her needs. So I prepare a meal. I take it over there one day a week and I just sit and I just say, how's it going? What do mm-hmm. you need? How can I help? And I mean, I, there's no, I don't have like a plan of discipleship for her. Um, but it's life on life and it's nurturing. And I can tell you this, her husband sees the evidence of it because my husband is in a relationship with him. And so, you know, I, I think that we just have to like, is that big and high profile? And, you know, somebody, I'm going to see my name out there somewhere about that. No, but I I don't need nor want that. I want authentic relationships where, The body of Christ is modeled as I see it modeled in scripture, and I'm trying to reproduce it not only in my life, but in the lives of others.
0: I think one of the dynamics at play as well is we need forms that are natural to what it means to be human. And people don't instinctively open up with a group of 15, 20, 70, 200, 3000 people, um, especially when it's on cue uh, and you've got two minutes to have a meaningful interaction. Like for me, one of the core passages is um, the road to Emmaus or the walk to Emmaus, Luke 24. You see two people who are basically given up. They're, they're given up. They're disenchanted. They're heading away. They're like, nah, none of this made sense. It didn't work. And I just, I love watching the way Jesus comes alongside them. Uh, a good friend of mine, Ollie Magnus Olafsfred. He um he was ahead of Navigators for many years. And he, he chooses not to use the language of mentoring, but he uses alongsiders because it kind of captures that uh, mentor mentee, disciple, disciplee. It's the same word in the in in, in their context. So he's like, um, I want to journey alongside someone and you see Jesus come alongside and even hide his identity somewhat and ask questions that in hindsight make him look dumb. Oh, what happened? What do you mean? What things happened? Oh someone got killed. Oh you know what were you expecting? And And what's going on? Like he asks questions, he slows down to ask. And having listened, he then steps back to help them imagine this situation within the mission of God. So you see this process of listening, imagining, creating, communicating that forms them as people who are disenchanted all of a sudden about facing and being re-envisioned for mission. And and I'm thinking that's a slow process. He walked three miles with him. He chatted for a few hours and he probably journeyed with him for years beforehand. Cleopas and companion, possibly Cleopas's wife. We need that kind of patient alongside him. Those relationships are rare, but they should be common in the church. That's the heart of what it means to follow Christ.
1: But well, you're not playing fair in the church. You're 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 disrupting. You're you're subverting yeah. this whole process. Carmen, talking to leaders. What would you say to the American church leader today if we want to try to really change the game in discipleship? What What are your thoughts?
2: Um, figure out who you have to get permission from to um, imagine a different way um, to experiment, um, because it's risky, but. Mm-hmm people are dissatisfied. I mean, there, there is a level of dissatisfaction. And so I think that if you are a leader in a church and you recognize that, um, then now's the time to say there, there is a different way. There actually now are models. We can look at, there are people we can talk to. There are examples, um, of how to do it differently. And so do we have permission? Can I get permission from whoever it is that has to give the permission to allow it to happen? Um, to just, to try some things, to try one thing. Um, yeah. Because I we're going to keep doing the same thing that we're doing and more and more people are going to continue to leave and fewer and fewer people are going to experience real transformation. And God's going to send a fresh wind of the spirit. It's just going to be outside of our institutional settings. And so I don't, I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see the great dechurching continue. Mm-hmm. I would like to see us imagine a different future and have a willingness to experiment and see what God does with that.
1: Dr. Dave Benson, London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. You're a disciple, you are a husband, you are a teacher, you're a philosopher, and you have really helped us think about discipleship today. How I know people are going to ask, do we track you? How do we creep you? How do we stalk you if we want to find you?
0: <laughs> Probably uh, easiest is, I mean, if you want to check out our work with LICC um, at the London Institute, LICC.org.uk, um, you can track down some of my stuff there. I run Wisdom Labs and do long form courses like BeWise. Um, and this might sound a bit old school now, but Facebook actually is kind of a helpful way because um, I, I don't so much use it to say, here's my family holiday. Um I tend to just share stuff that is inspiring me and challenging me and try and share out of the overflow. So, um, uh, so I'm regularly just posting things that we're doing, thinking about engaging, trying to amplify voices that I think mess it up a little bit, but create a greater vision for what could be. So, um, uh, it's maybe a way that you can easily get, get, uh, get hold of some of the stuff I'm doing. So that's, um, uh, just Dave Benson. Hopefully you'll find me there. Yeah.
1: You're seeing on the screen Dave's website information as well as the LICC. Great place to check out resources as well as what Dave is doing. And don't forget about Carmen's work with Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen. Great broadcast, uh, but just get ready. She will ambush you. So as you listen, be very careful and listen a lot. Carmen, thanks for being with us today.
2: Thanks so much. What a privilege.
1: Dave, great to have you with us today. Uh, so good to join with you both and
0: uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you.
1: Would you help the church think more about discipleship? Would you help us get the conversation started to talk about the biblical discipleship Jesus gave us? Please follow us. Our website, www.thediscipledilemma.com. You can find us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and all the RSS feeds. If you'd follow or like us, you'll help us get leverage in the digital marketplace to talk about the fact that discipleship needs to be talked about. And as always, folks, thanks for listening.